0: Hello, you're listening to Search for Truth, your Bible teaching program with Brian Johnston. Getting real is the theme of this series of 12 Talks, and today we've reached halfway. We've already looked at Bible study, prayer times, and living with integrity at home, and Brian now, this week, takes a look at our church life today and for the next two weeks brian will be looking into the bible to see how the early churches functioned and what principles can be applied to make and keep our church life more sincere authentic and effective so now to brian
1: thanks john well it's been said that in every local church community there is comedy and tragedy companionship and loneliness conflict and love On this side of Christ's return, it will always be so. But God still uses congregations to reach the world, sanctify one another and work out his divine plan of redemption. Before he went to the cross, the one whom all Christians claim to follow prayed a prayer that's recorded in John's Gospel in which he asked his father that the sequel to his dying on the cross might be a genuine community of Christians Although this was a prayer of global proportions, the headline qualities that Christ passionately desired to see in any local grouping of his followers were truth, unity, mission and holiness. Although applying to the whole movement that would carry his name, they must first and last apply at street level in all the local churches that integrate within the community he reached out for in prayer. Christianity, you see, is to be a movement in two dimensions. First, we are called out of the world to be the worshippers whom his Father is seeking. This should mean we are to be much more seeker-sensitive to the Father than seeker-sensitive to other would-be worshippers. Second, we are sent outwards into this world to be his witnesses, which means we are not to be so much Church centred as we are God centred. It's about being outward looking, a people who are welcoming, accessible, the very embodiment of the gospel, and demonstrating the values of God's kingdom in this world. Christianity, as should be immediately obvious from even a superficial reading of the New Testament, is something that can't be done on a purely individualistic basis. It demands a corporate expression. Nowhere is this more practically underlined than by the repeated occurrence of a single word in the original Bible language. For the sake of the record, it's a single word in Greek, but expressed in English as one another. It's used 100 times in 94 New Testament verses. 47 of those verses give instructions to people in local churches, And 60% of those instructions come to us through the Apostle Paul. When you look at these verses, a few common themes show up. Something like one-third of these one-another commands deal with the unity of each local church. In detail, they tackle issues like being at peace, not grumbling, being of the same mind, accepting, not envying or boastfully challenging one another – but tolerating one another with gentle patience, above all being kind and forgiving without complaining, far less taking revenge. Instead, seeking each other's good with personal confession when necessary, all as we say without complaining. So, one third of these commands are about unity. Then, another third of the one another type commands target love among Christians in local church life. Again, in terms of the specifics, it's things like acknowledging one another, serving and tolerating one another, all with real devotion. So another third of the one another commands deal with love. Of the other third, half of them concern humility. In other words, subjecting ourselves to serving each other, Regarding the other person's needs as of a higher priority than our own, so giving preference to the other person. Besides all those, we are not to judge one another nor stumble, but rather to encourage, speak the truth, and pray for one another. To help us visualise, What all this looks like in practice, we find a ready, worked example from Christianity's earliest days. It's found in Acts chapter 9 and verse 31 says, So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace being built up and going on in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it continued to increase. Okay, but what sort of upbuilding ministry is meant here? Edification is what we are talking about and it happens when the relevant range of the New Testament spiritual gifts are properly understood and put into operation locally. In New Testament times, the range of these gifts found its biblical expression in churches of God and led to their growth in spiritual maturity. Next, the local church is to be a going concern. We might compare it with an eastern shepherd who went out ahead of his sheep. There's a sense of movement, direction and going forward all contained in this word. The apostle Paul was forward-looking. We can see this as he prepared to hand the baton of ministry over to Timothy. I think Paul's pastoral letters to Timothy give us a balanced, all-round view of the main goals of the local church in the distinct areas of its use of God's word, its worship, its work for God, its welfare, its witness and its warfare. Shall we briefly unpack those before returning to Acts chapter 9? There's a tremendous emphasis on the word of God throughout the whole of this second letter to Timothy. True Christian learning is to be a learning that lives. Turning now to worship, there's a fair bit in First Timothy chapter 2 about our worshipful approach to God, about the reverence and orderliness that's required in our public drawing near to God. Moving on to the topic of work, there can really be no doubt in Paul's message that the local church is to be a place of work for all who are in it, And hard work at that, for Paul compares Christian service to the labour of a hard-working farmer. Among Paul's favourite words are those that stress the strong exertion required in Christian service. Then there's Paul's encouragement to Timothy to witness the good confession, to make confession to his faith in Christ. Just another reminder that we're all called to be witnesses of the Lord Jesus. Regarding welfare... It's interesting to remember that we started out with the example of church life from Acts chapter 9, the same chapter which mentions the death of Dorcas and mentions all the widows at Joppa. Paul's pastoral letters give a clear indication of what's meant to be a local church's responsibility for the social welfare of all those belonging to its number, especially the needy. This is the duty of Christian care that's to be shown to all those who are in real need, first of all to any in the church. Care is to be an outstanding feature of church life, just as it marked out the first local church of God at Jerusalem, which was certainly one whose fellowship really functioned. Paul also finally spoke to Timothy about warfare. Why? Because those in the local church come under attack from the world around, a world that makes assaults on a Christian lifestyle. These then are the main duties of a local church, such as those we remind ourselves of again from Acts 9 and verse 31, where it says, So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace, being built up and going on in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it continued to increase. What does it mean when it's described as going forward in the comfort of the Holy Spirit? The same word comfort is used repeatedly by Paul near the beginning of his first letter to the Church of God at Corinth, where it seems as if the presence of God among them was relieving their hurts as well as touching the lives of others through them. Their troubles had brought God close to them, made him very real to them, and they were enjoying the relief And encouragement his presence had brought. Having really sensed that themselves they were now in a position to serve wider needs in their locality. When they came across neighbours or friends who were struggling they now found they could dispense comfort to those others from their own experience of having known comfort when they had been in difficulty. When in trouble or needing help we reach for our Bibles and God, through the ministry of his word, draws near for our help, maybe as the gift of another believer is used to share a spiritual message with us. How important it is that we show the reality of our faith and of our walk with the Lord by sharing the good things of his word with each other. These are things that can really encourage and uplift. The word comfort is used in this way too, when Paul says Again to his Christian friends at Rome, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. The gift there that's described as exhorting or comforting is the gift of encouragement. I'm sure we've all known times when someone has just said the right thing to us at just the right time, and we found it to be a real encouragement from the Lord. This gift of encouragement has been translated as the gift of stimulating the faith of others. Remember, it's the word comfort still, and we began by thinking of a church that was growing because it was moving forward in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. We'd expect a church like that to be a church where faith was being stimulated, wouldn't we? But what does that look like? We'll look further into this next time, God willing.
0: Thanks, Brian, for another helpful and interesting talk. Brian's book for this series is called Get Real, and it's available if you'd like a copy, just write in by post or email. And if you've got any questions or comments today, then also you can get in touch. The talk you've heard today is also available to download via the internet in audio or text format. Simply ask for Get Real, and you can do this by email or by post, and here's our address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wotton Bassett, Swindon, SN48DY, UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. Well, time's almost gone, but thanks again for the privilege of your company today. And why not join us next week for another talk in this series, if you can, when Brian will be taking a further look at Christian credibility in our church life. But now it's very best wishes from our Bible teacher, Brian, our studio technician, David, and our singers and me, John. So goodbye and may God richly bless you.